you're at a turning point. You know there's something more, but you don't know what. You want something different, but you don't know how. Yeah. So it's it's just really that 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 support system to help you through that. When you when you're trying when it's hazy, when you've lost your path, you feel ungrounded or disconnected to yourself. And that usually happens when a big life moment is is upon you or you're really trying to make a, a change in your life. And and that gets you clear and focused and motivated to take action. Welcome to the Lifelines Podcast, brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. I'm Marina Aris. And I'm Diane Fenner. And we're your hosts. This is the podcast for book creators, book lovers, and literary ambassadors. Join us each week as we explore the writing life, the art, and the business of creating great books. Hello and welcome. Today we have Kristen Rath. She is the best-selling author of Meant for More, Create Your Dream Life, Plan Your Path, and Start Living It Now. She is also an entrepreneur who empowers people to live a life they love through tools, strategies, and frameworks that create more fulfillment and joy. Before publishing her self-help book, she wrote poetry, creative nonfiction, memoir, and drafted a novel. Kristen holds master's degrees from NYU and Columbia University and currently lives in New York City. Welcome, Kristen. Thank Thank you you so much. It's great to have you with us. Thank you. What I've been finding is that when I just ask an author to open up, so much comes out there, so enthusiastic about their books, particularly books that authors have gone to the trouble of putting up on Amazon themselves. And so I would love to just start by tapping some of that excitement and energy. Um, Can you tell us about Meant for More? I can. You mean sort of like the inception of it? And what you were um, hoping to do with it and how that has worked out. Sure. So I was going through a journey of self-discovery, and it was so transformative to me that I felt the need to share it with others. So I set out to write the book I wish I had had when I started on my my, uh, self-discovery journey. (laughs) Right. It's always a good place to start. Yes. And so... It, I basically committed to writing it because actually before this, I had the draft of the novel and I had a draft of a memoir and nothing was happening with that. And I really did want to be a published author. And I committed to the decision that I was going to figure out what I was going to write about. And I really didn't know at first. And I kind of set a date that I would start. <laughs> and really right after that, I started coming up with the topics. I, I obviously put effort into it. I brainstormed and I was just kind of racking my my brain and my history for what experience of mine could help someone else. And that's when I came up with, um, not the title, that came like after I wrote the book, <laughs> but the, the topics. Well, there. it was actually, it was published in 2016. So yes. when you started this process of self-discovery and trying to figure out what you were going to write about, what, how far before then was that? Like what year or how many months? So when I decided to figure out what book I was going to write, it was the end of July, 2016. And then less than six months later, I published the book. fantastic, actually. That's interesting, right? Because the the momentum was so, I must have been built up because you were trying the other books and they weren't working. And then all of a sudden you had maybe your aha moment, which your book is about because I've read it. So <laughs> there you. are lots of aha moments that come if you uh, read and do the exercises. So that's really cool. I like that. There definitely was momentum because of the motivation behind it, but it was also due to being very organized at the onset. 
So I had heard about um, this guy named Chandler Bolt, and he has the self-publishing oh, school. Yeah, I know him. <laughs> and I wanted I, – I wasn't going to them for writing, and that's not really what they're about anyway. It's about organizing your thoughts, getting the structure, and helping you market it afterwards. So it was really integral in the quickness of how I wrote and then also the final product. It was very organized. I already knew my audience. I already knew what the purpose of the book for me was, what I wanted it to do. Um, for my business or, you know, what I wanted to do for the audience. And that helps with the marketing at the end because you've written a book that's really marketable as right. opposed to just right. jumping in, writing the book, and then trying to figure that stuff out later. Sure. Well, sure. without derailing the conversation, yes. I just want to pause for a minute on that and ask, what was the audience? What was it that you already knew so clearly? So I was writing the book sort of for the person who was like myself at the beginning of that self-discovery journey. I wanted to know really what I wanted out of life. I wanted to know what I would allow into my life and what I wouldn't, how I could be fulfilled, what would make me happy, um, how I could dream up these really amazing things for myself that I wanted to share and create an experience. And then how do I get that? Like, what, what's the what's the steps? What are the actions? So, so if you were to draw a profile mm -hmm. of who this person in self-discovery is, yes. Is it uh, somebody who's graduating college and looking at the quarter life mid crisis? Uh, uh, is it hey, somebody who's hey, just had I'm a divorce? In mid, I'm in the midlife here, and I actually got a lot out of that book. So it's interesting that you're asking this question, Diane. I think it would apply yeah. to different specific people, but I was just trying to get a picture. Is it somebody who's just had a divorce? Somebody who's just had an illness? Somebody who's just gotten fired? I mean. Can you just flesh that out so we can have a face? Absolutely. And all of those things that you touched on, yeah. definitely. I think the, the, th the through line for that is you're at a turning point. You know there's something more, but you don't know what. You want something different, but you don't know how. Yeah. So it's, it's just really that, that, that support system to help you through that. When you when you're trying when it's hazy, when you've lost your path, you feel ungrounded or disconnected to yourself. And that usually happens when a big life moment is is upon you, or you're really trying to make a, a change in your life, and and that gets you clear and focused and motivated to take action. Well, without you giving away too many secrets, that led to a marketing plan. What were some of the tips for the marketing plan that it led to? Really understanding the the market, the Amazon, because I, I published through Amazon, so I had to understand alg um, the algorithm of Amazon. I had to know what other books were in the self-help genre and then which category within self-help would it be best in and also be able to um, stand out mm -hmm. in a way. Well, that's definitely Chandler Bolt's training because I know, yes. I mean, I, have, I haven't taken it, but I know him. I know what he teaches, mm -hmm. and I think... Um, it's smart, and it's smart. I think it's another another approach to publishing. Mm -hmm. um, so cool that you were able to get it because you say the word algorithm, and many writers leave the room. But it's cool <laughs> that you, you've got it. Um, but I wanted to take a step back because you did say something about your book being a support system, mm -hmm. and what I find interesting about that is that the way and the style in which you wrote the book can be extremely supportive. Because one thing that I took away from it is that I liked the the language. It was so easy and you were so honest about mm -hmm. your own experience but what I wanted to note about it is that the support system that you're actually writing about is not just you sharing your story but it's in helping people ask the right questions and mm -hmm. asking the right questions getting the right answers and getting the answers that then 
self-support, actually. So I just wanted to uh, congratulate you on doing that so well. Thank you. Because I don't know if you realized that it was going to be more, more, <laughs> meant for more. Your book was meant for even more than, than what you intended, I think. Well, um, I'm probably the one at the table who hasn't read the book, so I have to ask, what are some of the questions that were the right questions to ask? Well, you have to ask yourself, you have to get a clear lay of the land. Where are you now? What's not working in your life that you want to see the change? Uh, where are you going? Like, what exactly? And we usually have already asked ourselves these questions, but it's a more of a fuzzy, broad you know, kind of thing. But the more details and the more clarity you can put to that, the better you know where you're going and what you want and what your goals are. Because if you don't have a plan, you're going to end up somewhere else. So at least you have the plan. It can always change because life is, you know, fun and it throws you anything that it can. But having that plan gives you confidence. It helps you start to live that life now because you ask yourself, that person who's living that life, you, um, down the road, what do I know that I need to know? How do I feel? How do I relate to other people? How do I, how do I love myself? And then you can start bringing that into your life today. So it's the question, the continual um, questions that actually get supportive answers. You have to ask the right questions. Did you find people who said, I'm sorry, I can't picture it. I just don't know what my future self is supposed to look like. I'm stymied here because I don't have a goal. That's my problem, not getting to it, but failing to be able to visualize one. I have not, not after they've written, not any of the readers of the book, <laughs> but definitely when I, you know, before I wrote the book, I was talking to people. I was, I was hearing what they were saying and there was a lot of confusion all about what you were just talking about, what you want, what you're going to do, what, what's in the future. I mean, we don't know, but the first step is to clarify what you want. I mean, really, that's the first thing. And Kristen, for you, did you prepare for, for this particular book in any way? Because I know for, for myself, um, reading your book, I think, was different in that it was as if you were sitting next to me. I would say that's mm -hmm. what made it different. But one book that I've read more than once, actually, is the Jack Canfield, mm -hmm. um, what is it? how to get from where you are to where you want to be, the success principles. Mm -hmm. So did you have years or time in your life that you dedicated to that type of reading before? Did that influence you at all? Absolutely. I mean, I was influenced by many mentors and books and, you know, experts in the field, years and years of, of reading um, Jack Canfield and the Sedona Method and, you know, the Ho'oponopono and, you know, all these yeah, different yeah. kinds of things. And I kind of took... The, the constructs of what worked from each of those because right. there wasn't one that I could get everything I wanted out of and then that's why I wrote the book so that I could have all those things that were distilled in the context of my experience and what had worked for me. And to your point about how it was conversational, I think the way it came out that way is I spoke the book. Oh, so it was very conversational and I wanted it to be, but it also helped me write quickly because yes. after I had mapped out everything I wanted to write about that had the outline down to, you know, each A, B, one, two, three, I looked at it, turned on the recorder and just started speaking. That's so cool. And then I went to That it. is so cool. <laughs> I love it because I think we have a bonus right now. We actually have how to write a book fast and really well, like in a way that touches people, right? Because the best books are those that make you feel like you're getting the authentic author, you know, their voice. And so we got your voice. Oh, That's great. so cool. <laughs> I like that. And I'm curious, yeah. did you 
by a commercial application? Did you use Google Voice Tool? Did you go to some links? I don't need you to endorse a product. I'm no. just asking a little more about that experience. It was... Yeah, sorry. It, it was on my iPhone. It was the memo record. I mean, really? the voice memo. <laughs> that is so cool. And then, but then, and the reason I, I need to transcribe it after because that's what I I just discovered that thing, and I love it. I mean, it's not hundred percent, but it's close. I didn't transcribe it through a software system, and I'm glad I didn't because hearing my voice, it gave me that space to see if it if it resonated if it was weird or whatever and then also I would I would pause and I would enter in you know oh, so fill you actually spaces. you actually oh, yes I manually cool. <laughs> typed it wow. out but that was good because it was processing it into the format that was wow. that was would be best for a book I like that so that's yeah. almost like the um Chandler Bolt, uh, sorry, Chandler Bolt, and then mixing it in with Book in a Box, because I don't know if you know him, but they, that's one of the things they do. They interview people over the phone and have them talk about their experiences, and because they're not necessarily authors to begin with, so they just talk, and mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, you can't free write talk and then take stuff from it. It beats sitting in front of the blank page. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. so much easier to just start talking, and it's not like it was brilliant, all that I said oh, right no. off the bat. I a lot of what <laughs> well, I mean, when I when oh, when I you wrote, wrote the first draft, oh, yeah. so, you, so, so when I spoke it yeah. into the recorder, yeah. it was not brilliant. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, yeah. just getting me. It was a way to get me to start writing and to start. At least I had something already. By the time I sat at my computer, I had something to go on, which was really it helped motivate me and keep me going. And I wrote it in about two and a half weeks. The first That's amazing. Draft. I love it. I want to try this. I think I just want to come up with one project. I don't know what it's going to be. Just to you know, put it through the paces and see how this works out because I think it's going to be fun. It'd be yeah. fun to try something new. I think it's the leading edge of writing and the history of writing where you yeah. find authors somehow transition. There's going to be a tipping point into where they're all speaking. I've heard of it. I mean, I've heard of writers that do, mm-hmm. and they do phenomenally well. They're, they're publishing four books a year minimum, which is... Because, yeah, we can talk faster than we can write. And it's like a genre that I was, or the, the yeah. topic, it, it just made sense. I mean, sure. if I was writing a fiction, yeah. <laughs> dramatic novel, yeah. I don't know. I would I've, heard, I've actually heard of a, of a fiction writer who does it. And the thing is, he has, like, physical problems. And so for him, it's okay. easier. And But it's amazing. He gave an example of how he had to do it. And it was like, you have to, like, describe something and add in the comma and the period and the semicolon and the whole. And he's like... He did a great job. Like he did it effortlessly, and I was like, "Wow, that is that is really amazing." When people can get to that level, uh, but anyway, let's let's switch focus a little bit because sure. I think that your book is actually the the springboard for a lot of the things that are really important to you, mm-hmm. and that is helping other people to live a, a fulfill, not only a fulfilled life but a, a healthy life. Because yes. you describe yourself as a real food foodie, which I think is awesome. I love that. Um, tell us a little bit more about your greater mission, because I think that's what this book is about. It's just the beginning of a greater mission. I get really excited when I think that I can help people live a life they love. And that's very broad. I understand that. But it makes me excited. (laughs) And it also gives me that freedom to do it in different ways. Um, And the freedom for the person that I'm speaking to, to, to make it work for them. I don't tell anybody how to live or what to do. It's more of asking them the right questions and kind of prompting people. We have so much wisdom within ourselves. And I mean, obviously we have things that we can learn, um, but we have a lot of knowledge inside and it's just kind of asking the right questions to reconnect to that. And I, I just really want people to be able to feel empowered to live their best life, to be their best self. 
Yeah, and I, and I think just to add to that, I think what people need that you, when you can work with them one-on-one, if that's what you do, is just give them the space and the time in which to do it. Because mm. I know for me, I'm, I, I'm struggling to just have time that's not taken up by right. something else. And so you're right, we all have this inner wisdom, but we just need the time to sit with it and actually try and dig into it, right? And so yeah. it sounds to me like that's one of the things you do. You help people connect or reconnect with the stuff that they, they have. And to great. dispel some of the the ideas that this has to take a, a big chunk of your time every day or you right. need to go out into the wilderness to, to reconnect right. to yourself, you can do it every day with the life you have. It's more just you, if you change your thinking around your life, then you're changing the way you feel, which changes the way you act. And then yes. that affects how you show up in the world, which changes what you're getting back. Exactly. So it's really getting to the way that you talk to yourself. We talk to ourselves in such a, a, a terrible way sometimes. It's not supportive. It puts us down. It holds us back. And it's just kind of helping people realize that they have more control over their life than they knew. Right. And that you have more power. You have the choice to not to control people. I mean, we know that can't change people or control them and you can't stop things from happening to you, but you can control how you think and how you act. Right. And that is a lot. Right. Well, I'm tempted to go backwards uh, yet again. Okay. And we can um, switch back to this point in time and talk more about the happy stuff. But I'm curious how you felt when you were in your self-discovery? Were you sort of in the depths of despair? Were you bumping up against walls? Were you finding things limiting in a particular way that we could all relate to, you know, Mm -hmm. deep depression or loss of a job or a relationship? Was that kind of thing going on for you? I I had, um, it it was an end of a relationship, it was a divorce, and it was, I, I really had to take that, to take stock and and to make it to really kind of hmm, understand where I was and what I wanted and where I was going to go because it's funny you said divorce because I had earlier said divorce it was just kind of a wild guess maybe on some level I connected but I do think it's a particularly relevant thing um, there are a lot of I, everyone at this table We're all three of us it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very obvious connection to me that um Immediately after a divorce, everyone has a moment of imbalance and maybe sometimes longer than a moment. And there are a lot of ways that people move forward or don't move forward from that moment that I'm personally seeing. Um, So I don't mean to inject words into your mouth, but that made perfect sense to me. Um, what, what, What were some of the experiences you had with readers or people who responded to this book? Um, I've had, I've had people say that it just felt like I was speaking to them. Um, it, it doesn't have to, I I haven't necessarily had people tell me where they were in their life when, when they read this book. Um, I know some people were trying to find a job that they loved and they were unfulfilled in, in their career. Um, some people who were making a big change, they were moving or changing careers or, you know, again, it's something with relationship. Um, interestingly, I've had more men than I, than I expected give me feedback about how things resonated with them, how... That was probably after they saw you in person. Right? <laughs> no, that's not cool. She said wisdom there. Come on. 
I didn't mean to condemn. She's the full package. I wasn't trying to condemn men. I just think that they tend to be very visual, and sometimes they respond to what they say. There's a lot of visualization tips in here. (laughs) Besides her her headshot photo. Right, right. No, so, no, I don't know. So men, I think. Wait, wait a minute. Let's just wait while we're while we're on the subject. Let's give men a little more credit and, and remember, because I I've done a lot of homework post divorce, and my understanding is that men are just as emotional as women, and they yeah. go through a lot of the same challenges. So to be fair, it's quite possible. That, yeah, there are plenty of men that want to get in touch. And seeing a book like this, uh, I mean, the cover actually is not pink. So, um, if we look at it, it's, it's, it's got a mountain. I mean, it's, I could see even just by the cover that male or female may be drawn to this book. And I did ask people in my, my network to, to vote on a cover and I had men and women and this was the one that is, it's kind of like a neutral. Yeah, I get um, that. I totally get that. So anyway, I just don't want to bash on our male listeners. We love you too. And we understand that you probably have a lot of the same struggles and Diane of course is just always pushing us up against everything uh, that's, that's, what, that's what she does and <laughs> well, she's awesome at it tell me so. about what some of these reactions were what were some of the things that they said to you both men and women um the the most common thing was the tone the conversational style I don't know why that kept coming up for people maybe they weren't used to it but there's some pretty heavy stuff that I talk about, but I break it down into very digestible and easy to understand concepts. And, and it's real. It's kind of just like, here's the thing. Your thinking about something is causing your suffering. I mean, boom. That's, like, that's important. <laughs> that's it right there. Let's un, un, unpackage that. Well, that's the yeah. Truth. I mean, just yeah. stuff like that, where it's yeah. just like, let's let's not mince words here. Let's be real, and I'm going to support you here, but I'm not going to baby you. So maybe it was the tone of like a friend. You know, that's what I wanted to have happen was to make it sound like a friend was talking to you, someone who knows you, who's who's going to give you tough love, who's going to call you on your stuff. You know, yeah. But is always there for you. Who's got your back? Who? maybe knows just a tiny bit more than you because they've lived something. And then that can help you get through it. Well, I imagine some people would reject that statement right away and would say it's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about something that is concrete and has mm-hmm. happened. And it would be um, challenging to yeah. get people who are um, thinking about something that really happened to agree that, well, these thoughts can just be stashed and, you know, blown away into the ether. Well, yeah, but you, but there is no blowing away. That's the thing. It's a it's a multi-step process in which I think you have to dismantle those those ideas that we've come to accept about whatever it is we're suffering about. I mean, that's the way. And and obviously because you didn't read the book, Diane, I understand you're you're coming from a different um, perspective. Um, I actually so. I appreciate that because it gives me a chance to explain for, for people who haven't read the book and have that same thought. I am certainly not discounting anything that has happened to anyone. And I'm not saying to think that it didn't happen because, you know, I'm not having magical thinking where it's like, it doesn't exist, didn't happen. It was actually a grand old time. Yeah. That's not it. It's, it's kind of like this. When you have two people that experience the exact same event, you have one person who processes it as a way to fuel them, to motivate them, 
to grow and change. And you have another person who processes that as a way to tell themselves that they're not good enough or they're not worthy or they're bad or things don't work out for them. They can have completely different endings to that. Yeah. So it's not that it changed the circumstances, but it changed the way you thought, thought about it. And here's the thing. Why make yourself miserable? I know, I mean, I know I do it too. I give myself pity parties, but I literally now give myself five minutes. I'm like, Kristen, you have five minutes to be pouty about this and then let's move on. And it's great. I get it out and I move on. You know? That's cool. Well, yeah, it's because you can't discount human emotion. Human emotions are complex and they're varied and they're going to happen. You can't stop them. From you kind of have to deal with them. And yeah. it's not easy. It's not like you want to. It's not like I love, you know, if I'm... It, when I was doing this, it kind of felt like an archaeological dig. Like I was digging around in my stuff, in my baggage, pulling out, you know, brushing it off. What's this? Does it serve me anymore? Do I want it? Oh, I didn't know I had this limiting belief. You know, do I, do I actually want to do something about it now? So it wasn't changing anything about my past, but I had to process it. I had to understand, oh, this is why I feel this way about money, or this is way the, the reason that I haven't gotten to where I wanted to be in a relationship. So it does inform you. Um, and then you have that ability, that choice, and that power to do something that's supportive with it. Does it take a long time, or how much time does it take in a, in a range from, you know... I think it's, I, I don't, I really don't think I could answer that because it's different for everyone. Mm -hmm. it, it's really a unique personal journey. And I don't know that you can plan a block of time. It's just, you just start, you just yes, start digging. I agree. <laughs> I agree. And you don't know what you're going to find, yeah. right? Because some limiting beliefs are harder to, to mm -hmm. get rid of than others. And sometimes it's like an onion. You start peeling right. and things are great. And then you realize, oh, I'm bumping up against something again, something different, something deeper. And then you, you know. It's not like you ba bam, like get it all at one shot. That would probably probably be very raw. <laughs> You'd probably be very like shell shocked. But it's it's a it's really just how I was dedicated to it. Like I really wanted to, and I went full force, and so I spent a lot of time and effort into it. But I had done things over the years before that, so I can't really quantify um, the time it takes. I think it's it's a lifetime, really, I think. I don't think I'm ever going to be done. Well, something else will come, up, obviously. Yeah. And um, I think I think if, if I had to summarize as a reader what it did is when I read it, it was post-divorce. So for me, it was um, a reckoning of what was my role in mm. the failure of a marriage because I'm also a responsible right. party, right? Right. Um, and and I still, I'm still working through the book, actually, because it does take time. It takes longer and you think mm -hmm. great great questions but it takes time to just dig through that but and what are some of the hardest things for people that's definitely I think taking ownership is one of the hardest you know for sure because I, I mean I definitely aside from beliefs of this understanding yeah. what are the things that I could do better as a person um, because it makes you feel better obviously when you can improve in that way or that are supporting what you want to get out of life, what you right. what you what you see there for yourself. And I mean, we all make choices, and and those choices lead us in a direction. I mean, we. I'm not saying that we ask for what we get in that way, but we do choose the life that we're living in a way by by the way that we think and act and show up. It's just 
and it, and it is hard. It is very hard sometimes. To, but you know, once you start doing it, it feels it feels good. You're yes. like, yes, I was just I took part in it because that ownership also gives you control back. Sure, because you can do something about it. You want to change? All right, let's do it. Let's right. start. Let's start. I mean, other people are playing with you here. Right. I mean, there's other people that you interact with. You're not in a bubble. But at least you're doing what you can to set, to set the ball rolling in the direction that you want. Okay. I agree. So you ready to move on, Diane? Yeah. Have I convinced you anymore, Diane? Absolutely. <laughs> you ready to read the book, Diane? <laughs> well, I, it, it I wasn't we're all even that you didn't even have a hard job to persuade me because I have felt the truth of some of these things just in my experience. Mm-hmm. I certainly know that there are times when I'm listening to my thoughts and I'm able to say, what? Are you going to go down that road again? Just change the channel, honey. Mm-hmm. And so I have verified um, it, by my experience what you're talking about in a lot of ways. But I do think it's important to have a whole package with support and steps laid out. Yes. There's also, there is a section in the back that after you go through all this, it's your support system. So it's how to deal with people. <laughs> because, you know, we live people in our lives and, you know, we're all, you know, we might feel happy about our dreams and want to start sharing it. And it's like, wait, <laughs> you have to know that they're, you know, people who haven't been on the journey that you've just had. So those kind of things. And then also um, helping you with like morning rituals or just a routine that, that helps and just yeah. tools and tips that kind of. Yeah. And I think uh, was, so I know you're also developing an app to, ma- to manage stress. So I imagine that this whole process was stressful on some level. And <laughs> I think it's actually a great idea that after people um, read your book and go through the system that you actually then go ahead and help them deal with the stress of trying to deal with yeah. people who haven't, as you said, gone on the journey. Right. So tell us more about this, this, this app development idea that you have. So I, it, it, it kind of is a compliment to the book, like you said. Um, I actually write, just before I forget, I do have on my website a free gift for people where it's a, it's a stress-less guide, four steps to take back control of your life. Like so that. if people Thank are interested you. in that, go to the website. Get what, what's the website right now that you're saying? It is kristenrath.com. So that's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-W. Oh, no. Oh, see? I'm thinking <laughs> wrath. The wrath of Kristen. No. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. It's like so, wrath, but without the anger. You know what? <laughs> I read no the, W. You know what it is? I was, I was interviewed on the phone yesterday, and I had to talk about the second title of my book, and I, and I had to spell it, and oh. it had the word wrath in it. So oh, I must be replaying yesterday. Okay. So I apologize. Kristen, you can do it on the URL. www.k-r-i-s-t-i-n-r-a-t-as-in-tom-h-as-in-harry-rath.com. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Okay. All right. So go ahead. Tell us about the app. So it is also in the tone of the book. It would be a very very familiar language if someone had read had read the book and then was going to be using the app. It's it's very encouraging and supportive and it prompts you um, to kind of it does it's not it goes past like a mindfulness sort of thing and meditation that is great for that moment, but then it's also helping you past that because you're actually dealing with the cause of your stress. All right, give us an example of how you think this might work. That way it's trying to work. So uh, you have a, a, a fight with your significant other and 
usually how that goes is we think we know what's in their head and, you know, we start having all these stories that we have constructed that are really fun and dramatic, but (laughs) they're not always helpful. So you might pull out the app and it asks you a series of questions. I I actually don't want to go through the whole thing because it it hasn't been built yet. I don't want to give everyone my my secrets. But um, it basically will just help you recenter yourself, getting yourself to ask the right questions, to drop the drama and to kind of like really look at what's going on and um help you in that way that you know as if you kind of called up a friend it's like okay yeah what's going oh, so on so it's almost like you are venting to, to in a way that's constructive right I, it sounds like maybe i don't know about venting but it but it's it's sort of um it's for people who actually want to get to the root of the problem as okay. opposed to just distracting yourself which is valid if you right. want to do that it's fine I and mean, yeah. sometimes it's really fun to go go to youtube and look right. at funny furry animals (laughs) but if you actually want to um move through that this would be something to help you with that okay i like it and when do do you have any idea when you think it might be available i do not i'm i have the prototype i'm just uh gonna build it all right start building it well i I might have a kickstarter campaign that happens so i'll let you know (laughs) okay that sounds great um definitely let us know so how about let's real food foodie stuff. Let's talk about that. Okay. That sounds like fun. Um, I started that. I started a, I started a blog called words are food and it was nutrition for body and mind. So at the beginning of that, there were a lot of things about, about food. I was very into holistic nutrition. I had had, um, a holistic health guide who had helped kind of retrained me how to eat in a way that, that nourished my body. I, I stopped being afraid of fat. <laughs> I embrace the fat now. Well, what year? Tell us when you started, by the way. What year was that, more or less? Was um, that long before the book? It, it was probably 2007. Yeah, a good yeah. while before. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in 2009 or 10, I started the blog and just, and again, it was kind of that way of, of wanting it to be really easy for people, like make it simple. I'm a big fan of. Um, especially when you're cooking for one or two, like you, I just was made a huge amount of the one thing and then reinvent it so many different ways. And if you plan a little bit, it's, it gets easy to eat in a way that, that nourishes you and the, the importance of it, because that actually preceded my journey in, um, self-discovery. So it was really, I think, set the foundation correctly because when you're taking care of yourself when you're nourishing yourself with food, that can change how you feel and how you show up in life and how you deal with stress because you're balanced and your your body has what it's what it needs, and then your mind has that freedom right. to kind of work its for do its magic. Right. Okay. So, well, tell us what's next for you. I mean, what are you working on? Do you have any follow up books or what are you thinking? There will be follow up books, but oh, I, I no, that's not yet. That's not. I don't have anything to talk about right now about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am going to be creating an online workshop. Great. On finding your purpose and also navigating stress and um, other topics like just to really help you find fulfillment and joy in life. So there will be an online workshop coming this summer. Wonderful. I like that. I think what I wanted to get to was since there is a genre, Mm -hmm. how do you, what makes you different? How do you stand out? What's your brand that separates you from any of the others that might come to the attention of a potential reader? It's a very good question. So firstly, it would be because it's me and I'm bringing my personality. Uh, (laughs) All of us get to be, right? Yeah, we all get to be, we're all so different. So in that way, off the bat, it's unique. 
what I'm really trying to do is help people in a way that is manageable for them, that you can do in your day right now, starting now, and a plan of action. I'm very much about the action because if you don't have action, it's just a nice thought. And, and that doesn't get you anywhere. You can be a dreamer. You also have to be a doer. Um, and that's really important. I had struggled so much with the way that I thought about my life and myself. And I know how powerfully that changed when I changed my thinking. It changed my life. And the late Wayne Dyer has a, has a book of that title, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. And it's absolutely true. And I didn't know you could do it, yeah. <laughs> weirdly. I, before I really delved into it, I really didn't understand how powerful it was. So I'm very much in changing the language that you use with yourself, that you speak, because as you would, you would think, um, or as you would agree, words matter and words have power and you cannot take them back. And when you keep telling yourself, you're not good enough, you can't do this, the world's against me, nobody understands me, I'm alone, you're going you're gonna to start presenting that way because you can't help but not, you know, you can't help not to. How's the reaction to the book been going? Great. I mean, I get a lot of people that I know have have read it. When they find out that I've you know written a book, they're like, "Oh, I want to you know go see this book." And then I hear, "Oh, I got your book," and I, I it really resonated with me. And I'm like, oh, "Okay, this is a little awkward." Yeah. I'll tell you what surprised me: the writing was was not that. The, look, I knew the writing was probably going to be fine. I mean, I met you at a literary event, two literary events actually. Mm. I've met Kristen twice in my life. <laughs> um, and no, no, what I mean to say is for the first time. Because we <laughs> we apparently have met. I was met. forgettable the first time. No, no, no. No, I met Kristen. No, this is funny. So I met Kristen in probably 2014, 15 at a uh, IWWG. Is that right? Yes. That's the National Women's Writing Guild. Yes. Right. I used to work with them. Exactly. So I met her there the first time. And um, it, it's just that I was uh, had very little children. So mm -hmm. it was when I was going into yeah. the literary world and stepping right back out of it. So yeah. I don't think I was able to like nurture any relationships. No, I know. I, I, I was on the other, the, the admin side of the table. And you were on so, the admin yeah. side of the table. <laughs> and then uh, fast forward to 2017 and I go to the Pen Parentis Literary Salon. Yes. And then I'm divorced and I have half of my life back. And I meet Kristen again, and Kristen's like, I know you. And I'm like, really? From where? <laughs> and it was amazing. That was our second first meeting. And this time, what was great is that yeah. our energy was like, poof. Like, I just love it. It was the energy. right time for us to meet again. It was the yeah. right time for us to mm -hmm. meet again, because then our friendship has, has started to bloom since. And I really um, am I'm privileged and honored to, to have met you again. The feeling is mutual. <laughs> um, and now we get to bring Diana yes. along, because she comes and I come in very, very ready to join. And also the thing that makes me happiest is that I can share this with the listeners of the podcast. Yes. Because we kind of curate who we want to give the... I feel very honored. Well, I wasn't trying we to had this. No, I do. The Lifeline Books Podcast honor. Um, it has been bestowed upon you. Okay, so let's wrap up. We're going to ask you, Kristen, where would you like uh, our listeners to learn more about you, your projects, your app, your workshops, all these wonderful things. Let's just make sure we get it right. Um, and your book, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can go to my website. It's www.kristenrath.com. I'm also on social media, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is Words Are Food. And the book is on Amazon. Just, uh, 
Yep. Pop the title in there. And again, the title is Meant for More. And for those of you watching us, here's the beautiful cover. Meant and for More, create your dream life, plan your path, and start living it now. Anything else? Well, and for people on the podcast, you can go and see the video on Kristen's website. And perhaps we'll also include a link. So check the show notes. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Meant for more, create your life, plan your path, and start living it now. Chapter three, identify your beliefs and stories. This section is on cross purposes. Do the beliefs you have about a particular area of your life support what changes you want to make there? If they don't, that's a cross purpose. When your conscious wants are undermined by your often unconscious beliefs, you get blocked from what you're trying to achieve. You basically stand in your own way, limiting what's possible for you. Let's take as an example, a topic that carries a loaded and an emotional charge for many people, money. Much of what we think and talk about can be tied back to money, what you can or can't do, have or be, what you have access to, what kind of life you can have, how people look at you and what's expected of or feasible for you. So let's say you wanna be wealthy and to you, that means having lots of money. This is a goal for many people, myself included. Money can make life a lot easier, right? However, consider the issues with the following beliefs surrounding money. Money is hard to get and harder to keep. You'd have to win the lottery to ever get a chance of being rich. You have to spend money to make money. It's the root of all evil. It changes you. It can't buy you happiness. It brings misery. It makes you a target. More money, more problems. Do you see how these beliefs would hinder your goal to increase your wealth? Additionally, you could have negative beliefs around the people who have money, such as rich people are jerks. Rich people think they own everyone. They use their money to control others. The rich get richer while the poor get poorer. These beliefs come from the perspective that those who have money are quote unquote bad people. If you think you're a good person and you wanna stay a good person, which I'm sure is the case, and you have those above beliefs, you can subconsciously stop yourself from ever attaining wealth because you don't wanna be a bad person. In this scenario, you've made rich people the enemy, tying wealth to a certain set of personality traits that you oppose. Let's summarize this complicated cross-purpose. You want to have lots of money, but you don't think rich people are good people and you don't want to be a bad person. The only way you'd ever get rich in the first place was if money fell in your lap. If you have money, everyone wants a piece of it. Having lots of money will create a lot of change in your life, not to mention change your personality. Money attracts more problems, and even if your life is crappy, at least you know what kind of crap to expect. Wow, being wealthy is such a drama and a headache. Why would you ever want to be rich? Well, you most likely wouldn't be rich, not while holding on to that cross purpose. And if it did happen, it would probably be so uncomfortable that you'd find a way to lose it. Have you ever wondered why previously poor lottery winners blow their fortune in such a short time? If you were to have these underlying beliefs about money and the people who have it, do you think you'd be supporting your wealth goals? That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep bringing you great content. For show notes, upcoming events, and to participate in the Brooklyn Writers Project community, head on over to our website at www.brooklynwritersproject.com. Questions or comments? Send them to contact at lifelinespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Lifelines, the books podcast has been brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. Music for this podcast has been provided by Anthony Nuda of Noble Sense Productions.